This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com, Giants reporter. And we're here and it's training camp season. That's right. Training camp is... Really started already, if you think about it. Rookies reported on Wednesday. Quarterbacks injured and rehabbing players on Thursday. The full team on Tuesday. First practice, everybody on Wednesday for the New York Giants. Now, fans, you you won't you won't be allowed in there because the Giants use uh, COVID restrictions as an excuse for not being able to get it together on time. But I already ranted on that. We'll we'll, we'll, leave, we'll leave that as is for now. But I'll be there. And I'll be able to give you all the details about what's going on. And one of the things I want to talk about here, and we'll get to this before camp, is the Saquon expectation. Right? Is he going to be ready for the season? Is week one realistic? Um, kind of where he's at right now heading into training camp. We're going to get to that in a minute because I was at Saquon's camp, had a chance to talk to him and a bunch of people around him. Uh Earlier this week, also had a golf experience with Daniel Jones later in that day. I'll get to that in a Jordan on the beat later in this episode. I'll tell you this about Daniel Jones. I'm not going to give away too much about what I'm going to say about it. But the dude hits the ball a mile. I mean, I hit the ball pretty far, though I woke up with a bad back that day, kind of killing me. But, I mean, he smashes the ball, just kills it. But we talked about a lot of things, so I'll get into that a little bit later on in the show about my golfing experience with Daniel Jones. Not very often, if ever, you get to golf with the the Giants quarterback or any quarterback, really. So uh, we'll get into Kadarius Toney. He's going to be one of the few people that's not, or rookies, that's not in the building as I sit here and tape this on Friday. There's a reason for that, but we'll get to that in a minute. So, all right, let's get underway. We'll get into this. Let's start with Saquon. Because this is going to be really the big question. Hovering over the Giants until week, until the season starts. Because Saquon's rehabbing and coming back from a serious knee injury. We all know that. He tore the ACL in, in his right knee. Had MCL damage. Uh, meniscus tear that needed to be repaired. So there was significant damage to that knee. But he had surgery in October-ish. So we're now like 10 months removed almost. Almost. Once we get to August, I think it was 10 months. And we're sitting here saying, is he going to be back for week one? Now, I've had an opportunity to talk to a lot of people. And I'm going to give you my informed opinion on this as of now. If this was a Saquon, well, first of all, he's on the pup list to start training camp. Now, that just means physically unable to perform. Look, I reported this a long time ago. He wasn't going to be full go for training camp. That was going to be uh, a team decision, right? Uh, in his best interest, they're going to bring him along slowly. Has proven to be absolutely 100% tr- 
true. Uh, nothing has changed since then, and they've they've gone that route. So Saquon's on pup, right, with his knee injury. You have uh, Kyle Rudolph also on pup with a foot injury. Matt Parrott with a back injury. O'Shane Zimenez with a hamstring injury. Aaron Robinson with a core muscle injury, which gives me a, a little pause. We'll, we'll see about that. Uh, core muscle, when you usually hurt that, something that most of the time involves surgery. Now, I don't know if he had surgery. We're going to find out. I'll know more about these injuries, I think, uh, by early next week. So stay tuned on that. And Jonathan Harrison with a hamstring injury. So basically, they're not ready to practice. That's what that says. I'll get into the details of a little more with that, you know, the, the rules or the pup rules and what it means in, in a few minutes when I do a little Giants after dark and answer all your deepest, darkest Giants questions about training camp coming up and some other things. But back to Saquon for a second. So he's on pup. He's not a full go for early in training camp. He's not going to be full go for a long a while. The Giants are going to bring him along slowly. The question is, is he ready for week one? And... When we asked Saquon that the other day at the camp he held, and he does a good job, by the way. He's good with the kids. We watch that atmosphere. You see, okay, you know why the Giants like this guy, aside from the immense talent. But, you know, he's out there. He, a lot of guys, you could go, you know, go through the motions. You're just there, and there's a camp going on. Now Saquon is running around, getting involved in every drill, making the kids feel like they're special and creating memories. And that's really what it's all about because you go to these camps and those kids that are there are going to be like 15 years from now. Oh, I once went to this uh, football camp, Saquon's camp, and I got to meet him and he threw a pass to me or, or he signed this for me, whatever it is. I got to go one-on-one against him, whatever the experience may be. And it's a life experience that that person's going to, individually remember and it's going to be a valuable memory for them and Saquon's really good with that helping create those memories and being involved and and you see you see you saw that at the camp but as far as and he also spoke to the media and we asked him you know the usual questions and he said are you gonna be ready for training camp I don't know we'll see are you gonna be ready for week one I don't know we'll see does it a little bit with a smirk smile on his on his face a little half jokingly you know this is the route the Giants are taking. They're going to be, um, what's the right word here? They're going to be coy about how they play this. Now, from talking to a lot of people, this is the impression I'm getting. Because we know Saquon is obviously not going to be full go be the start of camp. And I don't expect him to be full go at any time soon in camp. As for week one, my interpretation of this right now is if the, if this was a Sa- purely a Saquon decision, right? He's feeling good. He's running around. He's running, cutting, jumping, pretty much doing everything. But hasn't played football. But his mind, he thinks he could come back, do it, you know, get get up to speed, and probably play and be ready for Week One. So if it was strictly a Saquon decision, this is my interpretation. I like to say my informed opinion. That if it was up to Saquon, he he would be ready for week one. But the Giants are also have been, you get the hints that they want to play this slowly. They want to, they want to bring him along slowly. They don't want to rush him back. They don't want to put him on the field until he's 100%. Not 98, not 99, 100%. Because he's a big part of their team. It's a 17-game season. It's a longer season. And their future. They want him to be around long-term. They want him to be healthy this season, play well, and be a long-term piece for this organization. Really, the centerpiece of the offense. 
or one of the centerpieces of the offense. So if it's a Giants decision, I think it's entirely possible. We might might not see Saquon Barkley the first couple weeks of the season. So combined, when that decision is made, I think the Giants can talk some sense into Saquon saying, look, listen, it's in everyone's best interest here to make sure we ramp you up and you're at 100% when you get out there your first game. So it might be week three, week four, whatever. It might even be and uh, you know, tip into October. I think the Giants play. Do they play three games in September this year or four? Whatever it is. But it's somewhere around there. You get the point. So I really do think that that is becoming a realistic possibility. That Saquon Barkley might not, and I, I don't know if be ready is the right word, is the right phrasing. The, the Giants might not be ready to put Saquon on the field is more like it. But we'll see how it goes. It'll be interesting. That, that, that's the topic that is going to be hovering over this team. For the next, where are we sitting here? We're like in mid-July right now. Six or seven weeks until the season starts. Is Saquon going to be ready for week one? And I honestly don't think anybody right now knows the definitive answer to that. I don't think there is a definitive answer to it. Everyone is kind of in a wait-and-see approach mode with that. Right? You're in that wait-and-see mode because he has to come back. He has to pass several more barriers during training camp. He has to get in at some point and be at full speed. Maybe play to some contact. Although I don't know how you're going to do that or how anybody would want him to do that. So it'll it'll be very interesting. But, you know, there's no real answer to it. Like I gave you an informed opinion. I don't think if we ask Saquon, he knows 100% what the answer is to that. I don't think if we ask Joe Judge or the Giants, you know, Dave Gettleman or the Giants trainers or rehab or Saquon's agent, whatever, whoever it may be. I don't think anybody has the definitive answer to that. As far as Kadarius Tony, he is now on the reserve COVID list. Tony, obviously, is the Giants' first-round pick. 20th overall, the Giants traded down with the Bears. They draft a wide receiver out of Florida. And as you know, if you've listened to this at all, it's been an inauspicious start to Kadarius Tony's young Giants career. And now you can just add this to the list. It sure sounds like he tested positive for COVID. He's isolated right now, right, because he's on the reserve COVID list. We don't know if he was vaccinated or not. but. Considering he liked Cole Beasley's ranting text, uh, tweets, sorry, about not getting vaccinated, uh, I think we could sort of assume that there's a strong possibility that Kadarius Tony also did not get vaccinated. Not that getting vaccinated prevents you, and this is key. If you get vaccinated, it doesn't prevent you from being able to get COVID 19. It doesn't. It decreases the chances that you get severely sick and then, you know, can end up dying from it. Like that's the primary result of the vaccine. Now, we don't want to get too deep into this because but this is a subject that is going to be talked about a lot early on in training camp throughout the NFL. You saw the NFL, you know, put in these rules about unvaccinated players. I mean, it's life is going to be tough for unvaccinated players. They're going to make it tough for unvaccinated players. 
they're gonna have to walk around basically with like a a, a, a mark on their shirt that says, "Look, I'm unvaccinated. I have to get tested every day." It's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of barriers there for them that other guys won't have to deal with. They'll have to wear masks throughout the building and in and anytime they're around really any human. So it'll be an, this this will be an interesting topic. But as far as Kadarius Tony goes, I mean just add it to the list of unusual things going on with him. But the hope is that from what the people I talk to is that he's back for the start of training camp. Which is interesting because I wonder what the, we'll have to find out how this goes. But what is the rule? How many days do they have to be sidelined? When did they find out that Kadarius Tony actually tested positive? Also, so if he's back for the start of training camp, that's what Tuesday, Wednesday. So I guess Wednesday would be a week if he tested positive. Took the test on Wednesday when he reported. I understand he did report on Wednesday on time. Thank God for him. That would have been something else. So he reports on Wednesday, and the Giants' first practice is the next Wednesday. So that'll be a week later. So there's hope that he could be back a week later, assuming, you know, everything goes smoothly. But we'll see. See how that goes. As far as the beginning of his career, let's see. He didn't wear the right size shoe at his first practice. Was limping around a little bit, playing with it the whole time, on and off. No, By the way, he doesn't ever wear socks. He had never worn socks with his cleats previously. I mean, that that just boggles my mind. And and from what I've been told, he's not the only player who who could say that, but hey, whatever. So he doesn't he has the cleat problem. Get over that. Doesn't finish training camp practice a few other times. I mean, sorry. Uh, it was rookie mini camp practice a few other times. Then he doesn't show up or he shows up and then leaves and and isn't at OTAs because his contract isn't signed. Now, I understand you're like, oh, his contract's not signed, but that's unheard of. Trust me. I've covered this league for pretty much a decade plus. And I've never heard of a rookie not showing up to OTAs. That's an, a prime opportunity for them to learn. They, they sign waivers that they're fully protected, you know, without having the contract. Guys have been doing this for years, years and years and years and years. But Tony was advised not to show up. So he wasn't there. Now, he did some virtual stuff. And right. And now we're sitting here. Oh, and then he had to leave for a personal family matter at the end of minicamp. And now we're sitting here and he's on the reserve COVID list to start his first training camp. So certainly an eventful start for Kadarius Tony and his Giants career. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But let's get to your questions. On to the next one. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Ah, yes. It's that time in this podcast when I answer all your deepest, darkest Giants questions in Giants 
After Dark. All right, let's get started here. Question number one from Dan Brown. Dan Brown, 9862-287 on Twitter says, Should we be concerned that things keep, and this, he has this word in quotes, happening to Kadarius Tony? Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's hard to completely ignore this about it's been a rocky start to his Giants career. Now, none of this really matters because they didn't really get on the field to do full contact practices yet. Not a single one. So it's still really early. But if all this stuff is happening early, it would be quite a coincidence if it just went away and disappeared Throughout the rest of his career. Like, oh, he had all these things happen to him early in his Giants career. Just a strange coincidence. But they all went away. And the rest of his career went smoothly. And nothing, right? Because look, there's been some incidents with Kadarius Tony in Florida already also. He had a loaded rifle in his car. Okay, not illegal in Florida. But he had a loaded rifle in his car. He got suspended at one point. So there's a lot of stuff that's adding up. And it's not all positive. And I keep hearing stuff like, he's going to be a handful. You know, that guy's going to be a real handful. You're going to have good luck covering him, you know, from all different kinds of people. So uh, I don't, I do think it's definitely a concern and something we're going to have to watch. And you hope that the rest of the season can go smoothly and kind of put that to rest. But if it doesn't, it's just going to keep picking up noise, right? It's going to keep, the momentum's going to keep building to, oh my God, this guy's, this guy's a handful. You know, like Odell was one of those guys, things and always happened to him, right? And he's the kind of guy that attracts that attention. You know, Kadarius Tony, from the early look of it, it's kind of in that category of a guy who things always seem to happen to him. And usually it's not an accident. Usually you kind of attract that attention. And also Kadarius Tony, I don't, I don't follow him religiously like he I follow him on social media but doesn't mean I I look at all his posts but you could also see he's hearing noise from fans which is a bad sign like if you're responding to fans saying stuff to you you know he's also got that rap career going on on the side which you know it attracts even more attention to you it's something that people could point to and say see see you know you're not Fully committed to football. You're also doing this. You know, it's it's going to be a hard line to walk. You, you're not every, you know, the rap game and the football player profession are two things. You can't do certain things as a football player that you can as a rapper when you're your own boss. Nobody tells you what to do. You can do whatever you want. It's it's going to be a fine line to walk there. So we'll see if what happens with his uh, his career on that end. As, as a rapper or hip-hop artist. Uh, next question comes from Instagram. Nick Rose. Uh, Nick Rose. Nick, Pro, Nick P. Rose or Nick Prose. Sorry if I screwed that up, Nick. Anyway. Hey, Jordan. Does the front office view Tony as a headache at this point? I don't think so. Not quite yet, as far as I'm aware. Uh, the conversations that I've had now, granted, they were a month or two ago. Uh, they were still like, yeah, it's kind of unfair for this guy. Uh, everything that's going on, some of the stuff, you know, 
not his fault. You know, they just just kind of happened to him. Crazy circumstances. So I don't think so yet. Right. He hasn't played a game yet. Uh, there hasn't been anything serious yet. A lot of these things. Right. You, you hope he's healthy. Right. Kateri's Tony. That's that's number one. I hope, you know, he, COVID, he gets over it, bounces back and is on the field soon enough. I mean, that that's number one most important thing. But like that, you know. That that there, there's not that's not something that you look at him and you blame him for and you say, uh, you know he he uh, he's a bad guy because he got COVID or he doesn't believe in taking getting vaccinated. I mean that that is people's right to not get vaccinated if that's the case in, in if that is the case in this instance. So uh, I don't think they're at that point. Ukadarius Tony is is the bottom line to that that answer. Back to Twitter at CWills845 says, who will have a bigger impact? This is question number three, by the way. Who will have a bigger impact this year? First round pick Tony or second round pick Ojolari? That's Aziz Ojolari out of uh, Georgia. And I actually think, and this has nothing to do with all this stuff happening to Tony. It's probably going to be Ojolari because he plays a position where there's a way bigger void. The Giants are going to need more from him, right? Tony is a, first of all, he's, he's a raw talent. Remember, he just started playing receiver full-time a few years ago. Uh, last year was his first breakout year. He's probably going to be used as more of an offensive weapon this year. So, like, and, and the Giants, they have wide receivers, right? I mean, you're talking Kenny Galladay. You're talking Sterling Shepard. You're talking Darius Slayton. Those are three quality receivers. So, already, when's he getting on the field? And you have guys like John Ross who could play a little bit. Uh, Austin Mack, who they liked last year, and they like as a blocker. So where Kadarius Tony, how much he fits in as a rookie, I'm not so sure. Like he'll be used to get the ball in his hands a few times a game. I, I could see that in the backfield, out wide, out of the slot, all different places. Whereas maybe and in the future they view him as like a full-time wide receiver. You know, Sterling Shepard won't be here forever. And then Kadarius Tony slides into the slot. They use him on the outside. And he becomes a significant wide receiver. That's their hope. Now, Ojolari this year, I think they need more for him this year. Right? They can't just say, all right, we'll give you time. We have other guys there. Right? That position is thin. That edge rusher position. Very thin. So, uh, I'm not so sure they can wait for him. He's going to get an opportunity now. So I think he'll have the bigger year. Now, someone did ask, I, I'm sorry, I, I didn't write down their name. Another follow-up question to that was, I think Ojolari will have double-digit sacks, and I would say I would bet against him. I mean, how many uh, edge rushers have double-digit sacks? First of all, Chase Young, who, by the way, is probably going to be significantly better. I think he's one of the best, going to be one of the best players in the league. He had nine sacks last year. Okay? So double-digit sacks is a huge ask for a rookie Outside linebacker. So if you had to bet on it, I would definitely bet against him. Uh, Ryan, uh, this is on Twitter, question number four, at Anunabi Dynasty says, you said a couple episodes ago that while you've played fantasy football for a while, have you ever utilized information that you knew that the public didn't for your own fantasy game? Uh, I'll say probably not to that. I mean, when I know something about injuries, I report it. Now, I was reporting, I'll tell you the time where it did, the information I had did work to my advantage. So Odell's injured as a rookie, right? And he hasn't practiced at all in the summer. And he's now missing the first two, three games. And 
he's a rookie. Nobody knows if he's any good at the at the time anyway. And you say, oh, he's missed all this time as a rookie wide receiver. He hasn't practiced at all in the summer. He's got a hamstring injury. Those seem to linger. He's missed the first two or three games of the season. Somebody dropped him in my league. And so I already knew. I saw, I mean, I, and I had reported this, so this stuff was out there. But he was practicing and getting closer. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to pick up Odell. So I'm picking up Odell Beckham, who no one has ever seen except for me, because I had seen him in practice in the spring, and you could kind of tell he was freakish in a good way. And I was like, you know what? I'll pick him up. And that didn't go over well for the rest of my league because the rest of the year, the final 12 games, 1,305 yards, 12 touchdowns in 12 games. I mean, he was legitimately the best wide receiver in football. So they were all pissed at me by the rest of my league. And uh, you know what? I really try not to get Giants players because then I know I got to take that crap from them throughout the whole season. It's more more than anything. It's annoying. And the Giants haven't had very good players in regards to fantasy football for the most part for the past few years. Like Saquon obviously was a stud as a rookie, but there's some Penn State people in my league. So they they overpay for him every year. Uh, Tito, I'm talking about you. But uh, yeah, so that's that. Anyway, next question. CB Rivera 2 and this is an interesting question. How much influence will Callaway, he's talking about Russ Callaway, have on the offense? Are we going to see some LSU concepts? And yeah, Russ Callaway was a guy who came from LSU. He's a Joe, he worked with Joe Judge uh, a long time ago back at Alabama, so they know each other well, uh, and Judge really appreciates him. So I do think that we're going to see some stuff like Russ Calloway have a little bit of influence. Now, not a lot, but in general, I think we're going to see more Freddie Kitchens' fingers involved in the offense. It's going to be a more collective effort, in my opinion. And Russ Calloway is one of those guys. So that he's involved. I mean, his official role is, uh, I got to find it, but I think it's like offensive assistant or, or, yeah, offensive analyst. No, he was an offensive analyst at LSU. So he's an offensive assistant with the Giants. I believe that's the the title. So, uh, but he's a guy who, you know, could bring some creativity to this offense. And so is Freddie Kitchens. So I expect those two. And even, you know, Jerry Shaplinsky, the quarterback coach, a little bit. Like, you're going to see these guys. It's going to be a more collaborative effort with the offense. And we're going to see a much more, I believe, uh, let's say, modern, wide-open offense that maybe we saw last year. The Giants were, remember, it was also a tough season. They didn't have the spring. Maybe they held back on, you know, they, they couldn't fully unleash everything under Jason Garrett. So I do expect it to be more diverse this season, and Russ Calloway is going to contribute to that as well, including, and Freddie Kitchens. I really keep bringing up Freddie Kitchens, too. I, I, I think his new role, also senior offensive assistant, I almost view it as, uh, assistant offensive coordinator. So in that regard, if you're hoping for a new, different-looking offense, I think you you might see it a little bit. At Adam Underwood 3 says, what does Barkley going on the pup list mean for the start of the season? Is he eligible if healthy enough? Yes. The pup list just means that you're on the pup list because you were injured before training camp, so you're able to only able to put people on the pup list if the injury happened while playing football before training camp, right? You can't be injured off the field, you know, fall down the stairs at home in the offseason and be on the pup list. 
Now that's why the Giants have a couple guys on the NFI list, which is a non-football injury list. And Ryan Anderson, the outside linebackers, is, is one of those guys. So that's a different list. But Pup, here's how it works. They could come off at any time. Once they're off, they cannot go back on. And once you're off, everything's clear. You're good to go, and that's it. You could play, be ready for week one. So this has nothing to do with any of those guys I, I listed before. You know, the list is uh, Kyle Rudolph. You have uh, who, who will be an interesting one to watch as well. Jonathan Harrison. Um, and like I said before, Aaron Robinson, core muscle injury. That's the one I'm watching. A core muscle injury is an injury that often demands surgery. So rookie, cornerback, third round pick for them. O'Shane Zimenez. Hamstring injury, I believe that happened in the spring. Don't think that's anything major, so he'll be back soon. Matt Pert, back injury too. Uh, I don't see that as being anything that's going to keep him out extremely long-term, which probably make a lot of people happy because hoping he's the starting right tackle. And Jonathan Harrison, who has a hamstring injury. So, uh, Pup, it's just so, sort of a list to start training camp for the injured guys. Uh, not very restrictive. You have options uh, to basically activate them. The second they are on the field for a practice, you have to activate them from the, they get activated from the public. So uh, next question, we would go to, uh, I, I meant to, to say this question before. JH at Huero says, how would you describe the beginning of Tony's career? You know, and let's say, you know, three words or less. Less, I would say, inauspicious start. You know, that, I think that's that's a good term for the beginning of Tony's career. Or not what you want. That's more than three words, but you, you can go you can go with either one. I, I, those those were going to be my my two options there. So um, we have on Instagram at Stan McCune. This is going to be the final question. This is an interesting question. So here's a question for the pod. Is Eli the only ESPN employee who has an NFL who is an NFL team employee? How will he balance that? For instance, do you think he will be hesitant to say certain things about certain players or teams, especially the Giants? And or do you think that the Giants have rules in place that cover that? Now that's an interesting and I don't I don't know the definitive answer to that. I, I really don't. I don't know if there's anybody who might have some connection with the team, but there is a way to make it work. Uh, Eli's not in an analyst role where his job is going to be to analyze uh, game film and say this is right or wrong. Like he's going to be there. It's going to be I, I my 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 impression is he's going to be there. It's going to be more like entertainment, you know, you and your friends talking while you're watching the game type deal and. Eli is smart. Like he knows how to talk without say, you know, saying anything anyway. I mean, like, he was the best at that out of anyone I've ever seen in the NFL. So when he does these games, like, first of all, I don't see him going there and slamming players left and right. I just don't see that or, or being very critical of guys during games, after games, whatever it is, before games. I, that's just not who Eli is. So I think there will be a way for him to kind of work around that without it being a problem. Uh, and as far as working for the Giants, we really don't know what his role is going to be. Like, how involved is he going to be with the Giants? Is he maybe just making, like, uh, 
digital content for them. Basically, like Sean O'Hara does for the, uh, you know, Sean O'Hara works for the NFL Network, but he he does digital content for the Giants. Basically, he goes on their in-house videos and stuff and breaks down film and, and, and stuff like that. But, you know, Eli just might be making viral social videos or something like that. And then working for ESPN. So I think I think it's something he could easily navigate it and it won't be a problem. So, all right, that's it for this version of Giants After Dark. I hope I answered a bunch of your questions. On to the next one. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com/network. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Let's wrap this episode up with a little Jordan on the beat. This is the part of the podcast where I tell you what it's like to be a reporter for ESPN, covering the Giants, covering the NFL in general. And this week I'm going to tell you about an opportunity I had to play golf on Monday with Daniel Jones. Right. It was sort of like a getting to know you session uh, for a story I'm working on, probably leading into the season somewhere around there. Um, so the the, uh, the opportunities were limited time wise and logistics wise of when we could kind of link up and get together. So it ends up I go out and I'm playing around the golf with Daniel Jones. First of all, good dude. Like you really getting to know him, you realize much of what you think about Daniel Jones is true. And what impressed me the most about that my time spent with him was that, you know, and I was asking him questions because I'm the reporter and I'm trying to learn about him. But he was equally interested in learning about me and knowing about me, my family, uh, the media job. You know, how you get how I got there, like just things that most guys and it sounds like, oh, big deal. You know, that isn't that what happens when you, you spend time with someone and they converse with you. Most guys, they, they don't they don't. It doesn't work that way. They're not interested. It's very rare that guys are interested players in the media side of things and how it works and are asking you questions about what you do, how you do, why you do it. And so that inquisitive part about Daniel Jones was impressive to me. Now, as for his golf game, Daniel Jones hits bombs, man. I mean, he hits the ball. First of all, he's a big dude, okay? I knew that beforehand. I mean, he, especially after last offseason, he kind of bulked up and jacked up. Uh, he's like 6'5", 230. I'm, I'm saying that off the top of my head, but easy and thick. And when he hits the ball, 
it goes, I mean, mile high. It's so high and so far. And I hit the ball pretty good. I mean, I could probably, I usually drive the ball about 280-ish. I mean, he was looking at making it look like I was, you know, barely hitting the ball off the tee. Dude was slamming the ball. Crushed it. Also, played a great back nine. Shot a 39. So, not not the, you know, he's he's not a guy who's played golf relentlessly his whole life. But I'm telling you, in three years, five years, Daniel Jones is going to be like, really probably end up being like an awesome golfer. Like, you know, post-playing career, Daniel Jones will be like a, a you know, a single-digit handicap scratch golfer. Good swing, slams the ball, monster drives. Funny, though, I did that. I started, and I'm like, if you know anything about golf, a 13, 14 handicap. My index is, is somewhere in that range. And I'm okay. I'm all over the place. I'm, I'm up up and down. And that means, like, when if you're at that range, you're not somebody who goes out there and you get birdies left and right. I mean, if you get one birdie around, that's that's good, right? So I go out there, and I'm starting them. And the first two holes, I hit the ball perfectly every shot, go birdie, birdie to start. And he was like, what is going on here? They thought they thought I was uh, that I was uh, trying to, you know, play coy with them and take their money that I was playing them. But uh, then they soon found out that I am I am what I am. And uh, I reverted to reverted to the mean of what my what my norm is. And that means an occasional duck hook here, ground ball here, bad shot here. And all of a sudden I'm, you know, shooting in the low 90s or something like that. So. Daniel Jones did better than that. I'll tell you that much. Definitely beat me by plenty. But uh, you'll, you'll see more about that in a few weeks when, when, the, when the story comes out. The story isn't about my golf experience with Daniel Jones. It's going to be about something much more big picture. But uh, I appreciate him giving me the time. And I, and I enjoyed the opportunity to get to know him and appreciated that he reciprocated and was interested in knowing about me as well. So. Uh, thank him for that. That was that was a, that was an interesting experience because it's not every day you go and play golf with, you know, the the quarterback of a team. That's the first time I've ever played golf with the quarterback of any team. Right? I did once play around with uh, in an outing with a bunch of Giants players. Weston Richburg, I remember, was among them. Zach Diossi was in that group. And there was one other player. I'm drawing a blank on who it was. But, yeah, that's really the only two times I've ever played golf with uh, Giants players. So interesting experience for sure. Uh, and occasionally, I guess, those come around. If you, if you hang around and cover the Giants and the NFL long enough, I guess you get to you spend some time off the field with certain guys. And, you know, you, you do what they like or you like. And uh, got a couple rounds of golfing. There we go. Uh, that's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. Next By the next time I do this, okay? We're going to be in the midst of training camp. So we're going to be in training camp grind mode. So make sure you bring all the questions. I'm going to be doing Giants After Darks more often, especially since there's stuff going on and stuff to answer. I'll even do the old school one here or there on Twitter. So keep your eye out for that. Make sure you follow me on Instagram. I'm going to try and provide a lot of, you know, sort of behind the scenes stuff on Instagram and some you know, unique, funny content. Also, I'm going to bring on uh, TikTok. So make sure you follow me on TikTok. I'm, I'm, I'm in the midst of working on uh, a hype video. Everyone needs a hype video these days, right? So 
that should be coming on TikTok and Instagram in the next few days. And remember, like, subscribe, tell your friends about this podcast. We need it to grow. Make it huge. All right. And it's up to you because I'm, I'm, I believe in you. I'm putting my trust in you. I need your help. To, I need you to help me. And I can't go anywhere without you. So it's all on your shoulders. So come through for me. That's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan. See you next time.